you're hungry, because you're listening to Everybody Eats. Thank you very much for joining us this week, man. We have a really good episode for you guys today. Um, but before all that, I want to wish health, safety, and uh, positivity, honestly, to everybody out there going through time of quarantine, um, pandemic. I hope you guys are staying safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, make sure you're in touch with your friends, family, loved ones, all those. So um, that's that's most important. Next, want to make sure that you're following us on all platforms, Instagram, at everybody underscore eats podcast. We are on TikTok, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. You already know the deal. So we're on all platforms, no excuses. And also, I do want to give a nice shout out um, to all the listeners. We uh, check the stats. We uh, have listeners in over 12 countries around the world. So that really means a lot. We just hit over a thousand streams. So, um, you know, it's not always about the numbers, but it does feel good to uh, see that people are catching on and that we do have supporters. So I do want to thank everyone out there who's been supporting us from the jump. Um, More content and even better content coming soon. All right. So let's get into today's episode. So, Mr. Hernandez, um, yo, I keep telling people a DM goes a long way. I'm trying to, I don't even remember. I think maybe... Maybe like a post of yours came up and I reached out. You were like, how, how did that happen? But regardless, met him on social media, but you're friends with uh, Chris. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, shout out to Chris. Uh, you're hooking up with some people to, to do podcast episodes with. So DM goes a long way. Networking, you know, it helps because that's how you make connections. Yeah, that's how sure. we get on the show. So um, for all the listeners out there, especially during quarantine, this is a great time. If you have people you want to reach out to, collab with, make sure you're sending out messages, DMs. Don't be afraid. You never know who you can work with. So, and if you can introduce yourself, what do you do, where are you from, and we'll get rolling. What's going on, guys? So like you said, my name's Aaron. Um, appreciate you guys for being here. Um, as far as what I do, I do a little bit of everything, man, to be honest. I mean, that's the person that always dibble dabbled in everything, but I have a strong focus in finance, and really bread and butter of it is, is credit and fixing credit. Um, I'm from Norfolk, Virginia. I grew up from around here. I've traveled a, a bit, but this is what I call home. This is where I call home first. And um, yeah, Norfolk, Virginia is, is is really that's that's my home. And I really realized, man, that so many people out here really were not just around here, but in the minority community, which is where I grew up here in Norfolk, uh, is really financially illiterate. Because of we didn't have the same access to stuff that everybody else might have. We didn't have the same privileges that others might have had access to. And, you know, in 2020, that's not really an excuse anymore. There's multiple ways for us to educate ourselves. So I took the liberty to do that. And in doing so, I realized other family and friends were struggling in the same areas that I was originally struggling in. So I've made it my mission to teach everybody else uh, as far as, as how to be financially literate as much as I can. And the credit bureaus and, and, and credit cards and all of that is just one aspect of it and that people really needed help with. So the way me fixing their credit has started out was I really just wanted to show everyone else how to go about fixing their credit and how to do it themselves. Uh, but now I realize that there's a lot of people who don't have the time to do that and went ahead and employed me to fix their credit for them. So that's pretty much how this whole thing started. 
obviously also on the sweater i fix credit so that is for you guys <laughs> that is the topic of today um so credit i know we spoke about this uh, a couple episodes back when we had set boss shout out to chef boss um when we we're talking about uh, mortgage loans we spoke a little bit about credit but now we want to get a little bit more in debt on what is credit how does it affect you um how can you affect your credit and all that so if we can start breaking down a little bit overall summary um may sound a little crazy but what is credit in the first place um what why is it important what is it and then we'll go more into how we can build and actually damage your credit right right well man credit this it's really it's hard to break down in just a small segment even though we'll try to, to wrap, wrap it up but credit is exactly what it sounds like you're getting uh credit almost like a loan for something that is not yet existing but it just goes off trust you have to look at it that way where whether it be financial institutions or uh, mortgage companies or, or even renting out apartment or jobs, they all run your credit. And all that is, is it just shows how trustworthy you are, meaning your credit. And your credit is calculated in, in different ways and different formats. Uh, two of those that are super popular is Vantage Score, which is what you see on like Credit Karma and sites like that, which is like a snapshot of your credit. And then there's your FICO score, which is what Experian uses. And you can also access that at myfico.com or um, annualreportingcredit.com, um, which you can get your FICO score at least once a year. And that's the government's way of giving you access to that. And that's kind of like the movie itself i like to tell people to think as fico is like the movie and um, your vantage score is kind of like the little trailer to it mm -hmm. so that's a way to look at your credit and the reason why credit is so important is because it really impacts everything that we get into and i know that's kind of hard to grasp for people that operate off money as you should as you should but the thing is a lot of things have to go off trust for example if you are getting a house you know you're getting a house you have you're going to go or even renovating a house you're mm -hmm. still going to have to run your credit or even the contractors they're going to want to run your credit first to see how much of a trustworthy person you are to get in business with even jobs jobs that require security clearances they have to run your credit as well um man pretty much everything there's not really anything you can do these days without them having to run your credit which is why it's so important to have a good credit score because Honestly, credit is power and having good credit is power. So that's really what it matters comes down to. Um, now there's different ways your credit is broken down. Obviously there's your auto credit, there's your um, like your rental history, and then there's just your, your credit card history. There are those three main ones. And then you also have your derogatory remarks, which is where Anything that's bad goes to, which you really don't want anything in there, but that's where your collections and stuff go into. So that's really the main breakdown of it. So it also, having a good overall credit score really helps you out a lot, but those four different ones also affect what you're applying into. So you can have not great credit score in total, but if you have a great rental history, it won't keep you from, you know, getting an apartment that you really want, but it might having stuff in your collections, it's gonna hurt you getting, you know, good rates and stuff like that. 
the same for auto. So that's why there's a division between those things. But overall, they still kind of tie hand in hand with each other. Got it. Got it. So you briefly touched it. So um, if you could just, uh, again, like briefly go, how do you, um, what are ways to, to build it? Quick tips on like how do you build it and how can you damage, right? So um, right. we talk about the credit score. So it's a number, right? So mm-hmm. I believe the the lowest is like what 300 400 and i think the highest is like 850 right so you right. fall in between so obviously um you know the higher the credit score the better right so what are tips that to raise and to you know lower that number so first off you're going to start off with looking at what your credit score is and you want to open an account at one at one of the things that um reflects your fico score like i said and one of the things that reflects your vantage score and once you have both of those it's important to understand what your score is and once you do i like to say the uh if you're in the 400s 500s i call that area like the hole because it's a little bit harder to get out of that not saying you can't because you absolutely can you can repair your credit but you have to uh you know let's just say climb out the hole first and then once you're in the high 500s going to 600s now you're really you know you're really coming after that perfect score now um the very important thing really is you have to develop credit history. Credit history is the number one thing that can make make you or break you because you really, a lot of people, especially minorities, I realize that we start off with a credit history a lot later on in life because we, most of the time, we realize that this is something we actually need. You know, we, we grew up thinking that, okay, you know, credit card is evil, let's stay away from it, blah, blah, blah. So we try to tend to start off a little bit later, but your credit age, which is your credit history, like you, the years you've had it open, is one of the big deals that um, that's counted on. So if you can establish credit history early on. And the other thing to um, repair it is your credit utilization. You want your credit utilization to be less than 30%. If you can get it less than um, 12%, then that's amazing. But you always want to keep it under 30% or less. Um, if you, your credit happens to be a little bit higher than that, well, that's a little unfortunate, but you want to keep it under 30%. Tips to keeping it low would be to either apply another, apply for another credit card. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but applying for another credit card lowers down your credit utilization because now let's say before your max was a thousand dollars. If you apply for another credit card, it adds $500 more to that. But make sure you don't, you know, use the same bad spending habits that you did in the first time applying it to that new credit card. Um, the other thing is making sure that there's no collections. That's important. And that's really where I come in at. You want to make sure that there's nothing in your collections because you can't really build your credit if there's things in your collections. No matter how hard you try, you can be up to date in all your payments. And yeah, that's going to reflect, but your collections is always going to bring you down. So you always want to dispute those. And, um, you know, get it taken care of as soon as you can. Um, If you can, find a credit agent to fix it so that it can be um, taken off properly. And the other thing really is your payment history. Your payment history is super important because the other stuff, there might be other things you can do to, um, to fix it. But your payment history, there really is little to none that you can do with that if you have terrible payment history. The only thing you can do is move forward and make sure you're always on time. But 
The thing is, if you are late maybe just once or twice, you can call your financial institution and show them, hey, you know, I have a really, really good track record, but I missed this two times because either it was just a simple mistake or I was going through unemployment. And most of the time they'll work with you. But now if you have multiple missed payments, the the bank is going to look at it. It was like, yeah, this is not, um, you know, this is the norm for you. So you want to make sure your payment history is always up to date. Now, if you're trying to repair that, what I like to tell people is you can make micro payments. So instead of making, let's say your credit cards are um, your your minimum credit, um, your minimum card payment is $100, right? Instead of paying that $100, you want to break it down to maybe two $50 payments. Because now what that'll do is it'll pick it up as two positive remarks because your credit score it's not based off a numerical number. It's not based off an amount. It's based off positive or negative remarks. So if you're showing that, hey, even though you're technically still paying just the minimum score of $100, your minimum uh, payment of $100, you've made two payments, so now it's going to show up as two positive remarks. So that's one way you can kind of um, offset that and hopefully get you back on track. Definitely. So, uh, Edom, do you have anything you want to ask? Um, so maybe I didn't quite get it, but in terms of remarks that, like you said, it relates to your, like, if you make your payments on time and all right. So what's your opinion on, um, making a payment, let's say exactly the day it's due or the, um, or a little early. Cause I've heard some, uh, like different things about that that it may not be the best to do that you should probably wait a day or two i've been told so what's your take on it well technically you know you're obviously you're not late as long as you're paying it when it's due and you get a little bit of grace period after that to pay it and it still counts as an on-time payment however to me the way i like to tell my clients for one the technical technically right answer to this is find find out what your statement date um, is and when in your statement date will pull and then that's when you want to pay it once your statement date hits but the way I like to tell people is your due date it's that's exactly what it sounds like it's just your due date meaning this is the last day to pay it and I know traditionally that's when people actually pay their stuff but the way I like to tell clients it's, it's really not good practice to pay on the due date itself because that's just like let's say you're going to school right and you turn in your assignment the good practice is you don't turn it in the day that it's due. You turn it in before then because all they're saying to you, hey, this this is the last day to pay your bill. So it's actually not a good practice to be paying your bills on the day that is due. You should pay a little bit earlier than that. Okay. All right. Perfect. Got it. Um, so real briefly, just one last question. Um, I've heard this, and I, I still don't fully understand why this happens, but I've heard scenarios of someone may have, say, Let's put out five thousand dollars in credit card debt, or say student loan debt, and mm. so five thousand dollars in debt in general, and they'll do one large lump payment, boom, knock out the five thousand, and then right. they see their credit score go down. Why does that happen? Because again, man, it looks at it as the you know if you really break it down, and I know, I, hopefully, I don't lose people into this because it kind of sounds like legalese, uh, but really, you just have to look at credit as like I said, a trust thing. You know, um, so if I want to lend somebody a hundred dollars type thing, that's how you have to look at it, except the financial institutions don't actually know you. So they want to develop 
uh, rapport with you. So if you pay off $5,000 right away, you don't have anything to tell them whether you're trustworthy or not. I know that sounds crazy, but the thing is now before you had something uh, of history with the institution where now they can develop trust with you. But if you pay it all off, which now you don't have anything to show, that's what it pretty much is. You're going to show that pretty much you don't have credit history with the financial institution because you decided to pay it all. So what you really should do is let's say if it's credit, credit cards, right? You want to keep them under 30%. So you never really want to close down your credit cards. You want to just keep them open. But you want to just keep something real small on them so it's paying because what's happening is you're developing that rapport with that company. Got it, got it. So uh, you guys you guys heard it here, right? So especially um, when it comes down to a lot of these stimulus checks, right? To put it into perspective, mm -hmm. a lot of people have these stimulus checks and I made a video, don't waste your money, make sure you're spending it on something wise. Um, and now you heard when it comes down to debt, um, you you have the option. I I personally say right if you're gonna get say if you are eligible to get that twelve thousand, you know you can use some of it to pay down some debt. You can use some of it to invest. You can use some of it, you know, you know as an emergency savings or something like that. But now you may not want to put all of it towards the debt. Maybe you know if you're working towards something like you said, you want to see continual payments and maybe not knock out something all the way. And you know it's also a good way to diversify the money that you're getting. Um, so thank you, Aaron, uh, you know, for breaking that down. I know we could definitely go longer. There's way more that goes into credit. We could yeah. definitely go longer. Um, but I think that was just a nice uh, way of, you know, digestible, getting people to understand the importance of it and little tips and tricks that you can do to help build. You can build that out. So um, thank you for that. So that concludes the first segment. We're going to uh, hop into the second segment where we'll do the quote of the day. Um, and Edom has that prepared. So we'll be right back. Welcome back. Segment two, Everybody Eats Podcast. We're here with Aaron Hernandez. Just went through a great segment on credit. Um, if you have any more questions, we'll definitely drop the uh, tags on um, social media at the end of the episode so you guys can reach out if you have any more. But quote of the day. So Edom, he has that quote. So let's say it. What is it? All right. Too many of us are not living our genes because we're living our fears. Ooh. Mm, that's a good one. That's good. Dang. Good. Say it again. Too many of us are not living our dreams because we are too. Because oh, all right. My bad. My bad. All right. Too many of us are not living our dreams because we are living our fears. Damn. Mm. Like that. Who said it? Uh, can we get a hint? <laughs> I get to. Um, <laughs> he is black, and he's a motivational speaker. Eric Thomas? What? No. Damn, that's gonna be my guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was married to someone famous. Will Smith? No. Steve Harvey? No. Is he alive? Yeah. Yeah, I'll get four more uh, uh, guesses. Is he alive? Uh, yeah, currently. Man. Black motivational speaker. Yes. Married to someone famous. 
Uh, Nope. <laughs> we left. Hey, I don't know. Um, I got no clue. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I got, I got no I, idea. It is. I want to say Les or Lee, but it's uh Les Brown is running. Oh, Les Lee man, Brown. it's crazy. Who? I listen to him all the time too. I'm, Who? I'm about it. Who was he married to? This famous Gladys Knight, apparently. Oh. Gladys, uh, Gotcha. All right, can you say that one last time? I, too many of us are not living our dreams because we're living our fears. Nah, that's a that's a fact. Like, you know, yeah. we, we even back from episode one, we spoke about it, right? Like, why why do people hesitate? It's like you know, a lot of people have ideas, right? And this is something that I recently I've been like developing a passion for helping other people do this. Where a lot of people have ideas, they have something they want to do, business, brand, whatever it is, right? Page. They'll have something that they want to do, they have an idea in their head, but you right, an idea in your head with no action is nothing, honestly. Like and it's just it's just air, honestly. Like and a lot of people have ideas, but it's once you can overcome that fear or that struggle or that hurdle of, you know, that's when you could take your idea from something just in your head to something that's on paper, something that's online, something monetary, something that, you know, brings value, right? So um, that's something that I look, you know, through this podcast and, you know, just trying to help other people similar to me where I had an idea for a podcast and it's like, you know, I've had people help me like, all right, this is how we're going to get it actually working. Right. And same for, you know, you, I know you do a jack of all trades. Right. So I know I'm right. sure there are a lot of different things where maybe you had an idea, maybe you're a little bit hesitant, but then, you know, finally overcame that. And now it's something tangible, something that you can, you know, put on a shirt something you know that you can help people with something that you know right. provides value so um you know it's it's overcoming that fears because if not it's just gonna be an idea and that's just that's just air honestly yeah. <laughs> yeah and that's that's really true i mean for me man that actually resonates with me a lot because i think a lot of times fear is um disguised to us as security mm. so a lot of times people can't pursue what they want because they're secure in what they what they're currently doing so you're secure you're nine to five and it's hard for you to pull the trigger i know for me one of the very first because i'm an entrepreneur and that's the very first thing that i did um when i really went out here on my own as an entrepreneur and started out as business was i started a, a collision center an auto collision center and I remember starting it out, man, I was so scared because I, I have I have a family already. And when I went to go launch it, I was like, man, you know, do I really want to put my savings and everything in here? But it, you really just have to pull the trigger, man. You really just have to dive off the deep end and see where it takes you because mm -hmm. that's the only way you'll know. And a lot of times, like I said, uh, fear is this guy's that's the, that's security. It's the security that you have with your 9 to 5 and, you know, all this stuff that and then you just have to pull the trigger. That's a fact. That's a fact. And Edom? Uh, I mean, fear, like you said, um, you said disguise, right? So mm -hmm. fear, you know, it comes, it may not be like one direct form, but it definitely comes many, like in many different shapes and sizes. It's like, uh, it's another crutch I think people use to not take the first step. A lot of, I don't know, this, that, you know, just, just comes in many forms, I believe, and, and once you understand that and and kind of work with it at the same time, 
you cannot move forward because you know they say face your fears you know never never like walk around it you know so not avoid them or anything so definitely once you figure out what they are and what forms they are in and, and come to terms with it and face it you know you can move forward yeah like um that kind of reminds me of you know i always bring up gary v um he posted something was like one reason people don't create is because they're insecure and i think that's another way that fear maybe is disguised kind of like in insecurity right so a lot of people think that you know i think yeah i think fear and insecurity can go hand in hand because some people will think you know what if it's not good or i'm afraid that people won't like it or you know like those type of thoughts and those honestly those are natural like i've had those same thoughts when it came to guilty i had the same thoughts when it came to the podcast um, I was yeah. like, who? I was like, who's gonna listen to me? Like, why would anyone listen to me? Like, I'm, you know, I'm just a young dude. Like, I, I don't like. I'm, there's other people you can listen to, but it's honestly, it's like, you know, when you say pull that trigger, like, yo, you gotta shoot fear in the face, bro. Like, you gotta shoot it dead, shoot yeah. it down, and just like go, go with it, you know. And then you'll, I'm guaranteed, like, if it's something you truly love, like, you'll find an even better love for it, and you'll, you'll discover things that you never thought you could. Because you just sit there and say, you know, like, screw it. Like, I'm going to just go for it. So, um, yeah, man. This actually reminds me of the first time, man. The, my, my pastor told me before, man, that, that the enemy talks in first person. And I didn't understand what he meant. And he had to break it down for me. It was just like, yeah, the enemy talks in first person. So it's going to be like, I can't do this. Dang. You know, in your mind, you're going to be like, I can't do this. Or i i can't start this podcast it's just all those self-doubt insecurities like you said so it's definitely in different different forms yeah. and to echo off an earlier point i heard something like maybe a month ago um the guy used the analogy of walking into a building and going up an elevator three floors right and you know you, you like the third floor the third floor is comfortable everything's all cool and peachy here but you know, maybe the third floor doesn't have what you need. Maybe it's on like the the sixth or eighth or, or ninth floor, you know, but you'll never know that because you're really comfortable and you're just too afraid to, to move up. You got stagnant. So I think definitely uh, that is definitely one of the faces fear takes, you know, the difference between, you know, uh, good and great or great and outstanding. So. Nah, and one 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 last thing that also reminds me, I don't remember who said it, but um, it goes like, uh, a lot of people kind of like you said, fear talks in the first person. It was like a lot of people, um, they would not allow someone else, right? Like a lot of people would not allow someone else to tell them, oh, you suck. You're not good at this. Why would you pursue that, right? So why do you let yourself talk to you that way, right? And that, that hit me when I heard that, you know? It's like you won't let anyone else slander you you know, like cut on you or do that to you. So why do you do it to yourself? And I was like, dang, you know, like that, that, that hit home. And I was like, you know, you, it really convinces you like, you know, you really are, honestly, like you really are amazing in everything that you do, but it's when you let those, you know, doubts and like insecurities eat you up is when you start to belittle yourself. And it's like, you know, everyone has a gift. Everyone's amazing in something. You just have to figure it out and put it into action. And the only thing that's stopping you is usually yourself or, you know, some insecurities that you're feeding off and maybe that you've heard some from someone or something like that. So um, go do it, right? <laughs> go do it. Go do it. But uh, thank you. That was a really dope quote. One last time, Eden, let's say it for the people. All right. Too many of us 
are not living our dreams because we are living our fears. So many people, uh, too many of us are not living our dreams because we are living our fears. So take that, drop in some gems, go start, go do, go send that DM, whatever you have planned that you've been procrastinating, go do it. All right, so uh, we'll jump now into segment three, where we'll now go into flipping online. So we'll go talk about that. So uh, bear with us, we'll be on a quick break. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to segment three, Everybody Eats Podcast. We're here, we just covered a great quote, and now we're gonna be talking about the art of flipping online, all right? So, obviously this is a business podcast. Um, so, one thing about flipping online, um, one, I always mention Gary Vee, he talks about this a lot, right? And when we were speaking about this off camera, um, I was telling you that I didn't even know, well, I knew, but it didn't really register that I've had, like, I've had experience of like flipping things online for a while, but I didn't even register um, because it was usually on Craigslist, right? Where, you know, mm-hmm. there's been times where, you know, we bought something or something was laying around in the garage and we're like, yo, let's just throw this on Craigslist and see what we get for it. And my history, I've been very, like me and my family and my dad, like we've been very successful on Craigslist. We've, we've gotten a lot of things and we sold a lot on Craigslist. And then once we were talking, I was like, oh snap, like I've been flipping for a little bit. Like I just don't do it obviously like consistently. But um, that is a great way for people to make money. A lot of people, especially now that you're in quarantine, right? You have, you probably have a bunch of things around, lying around your house or apartment that you don't use that you can take them, flip them online, get some money for it. So I'm not the expert on it, but you definitely have more history. So let's, let's talk about it. What are ways, what are ways, tips, tricks people can get into it and start actually making real money off that? Man, so this, honestly, this is like one of the most simplest things. And I realized that a lot of people kind of like, man, it can't be that easy. It can't be that easy. So they start going on YouTube, trying to figure out how to sell it, which that's completely fine. You should educate yourself. But I'm telling you guys, they've made this so easy. They've made it user-friendly is what they did. So a lot of these apps, whether it's Amazon or eBay or um, Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist, they've made it. It's very user-friendly, friendly, so it literally takes you slide by slide. So you can go on there, hit sell something, and it'll move to the next thing. You know, like take your pictures and then move to how much it is. And it, it really comes down to that. I would say that for me, my personal experience was that uh, I was trying to figure it out myself too. And I was like, man, it can't be that easy. So I went ahead and just started trying to figure out uh, stuff to sell. Well, first off, before I moved to the bigger um, – selling platforms like eBay and Amazon. I was selling just like you on, on Craigslist and stuff. Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace. I made a killing off of it because I was selling um, bigger bigger price items like cars and stuff like that. I was flipping cars on there and then eventually I had a, a customer of mine with a with Collision Center. They told me that they were just selling stuff on Amazon and they put me onto it and I started looking into it and man, it, it really is that easy and I realized that here I am trying to sell things sell things locally in my area and let's say it's something like a necklace or or whatever you guys might have as a product you're really limiting yourself to just a particular area where there's a whole wide world out there that we now have access to that we need to be taking advantage of so with that said i wanted to figure out how it worked so i went ahead and i went to a thrift store 
and I just started looking for things that I thought might sell. And the cool thing is the eBay app, when I downloaded it, it has this um, this little camera box on the top, and you hit that little icon, and it flips around the screen, and you can take pictures of stuff. And you can take a picture of it, and it'll pull up uh, like-minded items, so that way you can see if it's things of value. So I was literally walking around the thrift store. I went to the toy, the toy aisle, because actually even Gary Vee does that at yard sales. He'll look at toys, and I'll look at toys that I thought might be of value, and I started searching them. And I was paying like a dollar and some change for these toys, and turning around and selling them on eBay for you know a really good profit. And you know that's not really something I thought was something that can sustain me, but it's something that let me get my foot in the door trying to understand it. Yeah. So once I understood it and how shipping worked, which is the part to me really that was confusing, which was shipping. Once I figured out how shipping worked just by selling things that was like a dollar from a thrift store or from around your house, you can now go find a vendor. Now, it's not like back in the day where you had to fly overseas and find who your vendor is. Things are are in the palm of our hands. And honestly, in 2020, guys, there's no reason to be broke because you have this thing called your phone and you have access to the whole world out there. And to me, one of the main things I use is Alibaba, mm. which is the same thing as AliExpress, except it's for wholesale. And you can literally go on there and find the same exact products that Fashion Nova sells, that sells... Um, Gymshark will have the same exact product from Alibaba and with the same exact pictures. Well, I went on Alibaba personally and I looked for things that I can afford. So I looked for, to me, it was necklaces that I sold. And the necklaces I bought were like, it was just a few dollars. For a few dollars, um, I bought, I invested like 50 to $70 into just buying necklaces. I think it was like $50 and then... Um, in total, with the shipping, everything, it ran me like 70 bucks. And I got a bunch of necklaces. I put it on eBay. I listed them for $20, actually for $25. And they all sold. They all sold within a month. And after that, um, I re-upped again by buying more. I will say that don't spend that money yet. Um, as soon as you get it, you know, like if somebody buys a necklace, don't spend that little $20 because you're really not going to feel it. Yeah. Wait till the end of the month and then pull that money. And then instead of um, spending and all stuff reinvested again and now buy more stuff with higher returns and that's how you can uh, make a lot of money just by continuing to flip it over and over again definitely so um two things you mentioned the shipping and then i guess another question so we'll touch that first so um you said you have to figure out the shipping so what is it exactly because this um you know for for craigslist it was usually someone comes to pick it up so i never really had to deal with shipping so, um, if you could describe what is the confusing or hard part about it? Yeah, um, so there's different ways to ship stuff on, on, on eBay or Amazon. For one, you can pick a local pickup. Um, I don't think Amazon has a local pickup. I know eBay definitely does. You can click uh, local pickup only, so it's only for people around your area almost using eBay like Craigslist. And, or you can do stuff where you can hit shipping, and when you hit shipping, it'll break down all the different shipping methods. So expedited shipping, um, you know, and it'll, it'll tell you how much it costs. It can, um, and it, it things has to be breaking, broken down to, it depends really on how heavy something is and the size. If you're not sure of what it is, for one, you can measure yourself, and you can weigh yourself. If you're still not confident in your abilities to do that, you can go down to the post office and ask them to measure it all out and weigh it for you and go back home and click what what um, 
what fakes it. And more than likely, to be honest, if you're on eBay stuff, your seller, I'm sorry, your buyer will contact you and be like, hey, can I get this in expedited shipping? And you can be like, yeah, sure. It's just going to be like uh, 10 more dollars. So that's how that works out. But it literally gives you an option of what you want to do, either ground shipping, expedited shipping. Like I said, they've really like dummy-proofed it all for, for us. Got it, got it. So, uh, Ian, do you have anything? Uh, no, he actually broke everything down. I remember seeing a Gary Vee video on it, and I had a lot of questions. And mm -hmm. Basically, he went through it step by step. So. Got it. So my thing is... Um, all right, so say I, I buy a bunch of necklaces and now I put them on eBay. But on eBay, how do I know that someone is going to buy it? What do you do to kind of get someone to buy it, right? Because you can just put it on there. What if just no one gets it? Then you just spend a lot of money, obviously, right? You want it. The point is to sell them. So how do you get how do you get people to buy? How do you either advertise and, you know, like that? Yeah. Well, as far as advertising goes, you can pay for ads where it'll list your stuff as, um, you know, as a sponsor, as a sponsored product, so it'll be higher than the others, and you'll pay eBay for that. And it's actually not a lot at all. It's, um, it's like they'll take a few dollars out of your sale, and it's definitely worth it if you ask me. But the way I look at it is, if you're selling on eBay or Amazon on a global platform, anything you put on there. Honestly, anything you put up there will pretty much sell because there's millions of people out there. As long as what you're selling is reasonable, you're going to find a market out there. You're going to find people to buy it. And like I said, I think I'm someone that learns from experience. So if you can, just try to invest in something that's a little bit smaller, just trying to figure out what sells and what doesn't. But again, I feel like everything sells. It's just a matter of waiting and how long you have to wait. I think when you're looking at because um, you can go on Google to answer your question. You can go on Google and figure out what, what sells the most. So you can just go Google uh, most bought items on e-commerce and it'll, it'll show you in 2020. But I think really what it comes down to is the waiting game is what sells the fastest. It's really what you're looking for. So that's what it comes down to. But guys, like I said, you, you really want to jump on, on e-commerce. There's a reason why there's stores, brick and mortar stores are almost non-existent. To this day, I think bricks and mortars only exist so people can put a brand name to to the brand. But really, everything's moving to e-commerce. Even banks are now on just strictly online and on apps. So that's definitely a wave you want to hop on. Definitely, definitely. Um, that brings me to another question. It kind of just escaped me, but. Um Essentially, um, oh, so then uh, talking about like, I guess like setting prices and finding things that people will sell. Um, one of the things that, uh, again, Gary talks about this a bunch, um, is like when he says you can go to Target, right, and you can literally pick something off the shelf, kind of like you said, take a picture of it, see how much it sells for eBay, right? So um, you go to Target, it sells for five bucks, you go on eBay, oh, people are selling this for 20 bucks, right? Let me go buy a couple of these and then let me go post it on eBay. So when you say that people will just, um, there are people who are always willing to buy. So is it really just that simple of, hey, I made an eBay account. I put some, you know, say necklaces are what's hot right now. I just do some necklaces on there and just sit back and wait. That's how I did it. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I honestly did it. But um, I do know a lot of people will look at the reviews and see how it, it'll help people feel more comfortable with you. Know that you're not spam, obviously, if you have reviews and stuff like that so I think 
it definitely helps building the rapport first as far as building your customer reviews and things like that. So before you buy really big ticketed items, I would say start small just so you can build that with people. And it can be something super small, guys. Like I, I, Honestly, I'm not sure how familiar people are with Funko Pops and their, their little uh, action figure type of toys. And that's what I sold. Um, and I got them from thrift stores and people left me good reviews on them. And now... Yeah. I just pretty much put anything on there that I can. Um, to me, it's jewelry that I always put in my eBay. Yeah, got it, got it. Um, so it's kind of just a change the subject uh, similar to this, but um, one, one thing when we when we had a phone call off camera, one thing that um, stuck out to me, you said, you, I don't remember it was for flipping, but you was like you learned a lot of your lessons when you felt like you were you were broke. Right. And then you're like, when you're there, that's when you felt like that's when you started just like learning a lot of things. So I kind of want to know well, if you could kind of just like explain your experience and like how that helped and motivate you to, you know, to just be a, get that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, man, there's actually a song out there. And that's what he keeps saying, you know, being broke made me rich. And yeah. that, that's so true, man. Uh, it really gives you the hustle. There's no other hustle like being broke. There's no other hustle than being the first of the month and you don't got rent money. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. You ever realize that most of the time people that don't got record money, they'll know when their little gray spirit and up and somehow they come up with that money because they're in hustle mode. Yeah. And that's why I think if you just always keep up the mentality that you'll always succeed. So for me, I was just like, damn, like, um, I just moved back here to Virginia. I was moving around a lot and I moved back here to Virginia. I didn't have clients yet. Uh, but I didn't have clients within my trade, and I was trying to figure out how to come up with money. And I thought about eBay. And, you know what, let me give this a chance. Because when you're broke, when you're broke, it's really when you're dangerous. Because, damn, what, are they, what am I going to lose? I have nothing to lose. Yeah. What investment am I going to lose? So I went ahead, and I just dove into it, and, and I tried. I mean, there's nothing else that I can lose. I'm already broke. So, yeah. <laughs> and threw this stuff on there and, and tried to sell it, and I started selling things, and see that broke mentality comes in and like I said I, I grew up in an area where it wasn't so good so I knew all the little tricks where I was just like hey, if I sold something on eBay I got $5 from it $5 might not sound like a lot but to someone that doesn't have a lot of money and that grew up a certain way you know how to how to make $5 go a lot further yeah, yeah. you only need a dollar in your bank account to get gas to get a full fill up of gas so that's why I needed that five dollars meant a lot for me being broke. A yeah. dollar got me a whole gas. Now I can put, you know, I can move around, I can get the job interviews, I can do whatever. So that's being broke really is a broke mentality it can get you very, very far in life. Definitely, definitely. Um, and then another thing, um, kind of just talking about your your, your other trades. Um, I know you do art. You do have your own podcast. So did all of those just spawn? Um, as businesses or were those just interests that you just hey let me just try this out and i like it i think everything for me came out as a need mm. everything came at some point of time where i realized there was a need for it and it birthed that but a lot of it was trades i already knew knew in life you know just like i said i i, I grew up a certain way where i really had to hustle out here and a lot of that I uh, had to, you know, like let's say laying down floors and stuff like that. I learned it because I, I was living in a house where the floors was terrible, so I had to learn how to how to do floors. Uh, painting came from crossing that over from graffiti and also from painting cars. So that's where you know it tied into each other and understanding how to do that. And 
really all outlets that I do now and all outlets that everybody does now, you got to realize it started from a certain point and it started probably from a need or from, you know, just kind of realizing that this is something that needs to be done. Definitely, definitely. So I, I really love that. I love, love that hustle. And it's like, you know, pursuing your passions and again, not letting that fear, you know, prevent you from doing what you want to do. So uh, before we conclude, Edom, do you have any final remarks, questions, comments? I, I just want to commend you on being able to turn, you know, all these, I you guys, you can call them hobbies or side things you did growing up and turning them away to make it lucrative. So definitely big ups to you. Appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, you just have to really look at it as the people that we know that really hustle. I hate the stereotype, but let's go ahead and say, like, in our economy, we know that Mexicans have this uh, stereotype around them where they're very hard workers. And if you realize, you guys go out on a construction site, you see Mexican women are out there laying down tiles, doing drywall, and whatever else you can think of, they're out there getting into it, whatever whatever it is they're getting into the bag, they're doing <laughs> all of that, and that's, that's exactly how it is, you know, you just go through life and figure out stuff along the way and realize that you can capitalize off that instead of just sitting back on your couch, you know, just letting life pass you by, you can really take a hold of the steering wheel and drive your own life. I appreciate you guys for having me on here and uh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Definitely. For sure, for sure. I think that was a great way to conclude. So you guys heard it. Thank you very much, Aaron Hernandez. So how can people reach out to uh, social media if they want to learn about credit, want to learn about car repairs, tiles, painting? <laughs> how, can, how can they reach out? <laughs> uh, I have a website for uh, credit repairs, virginiacreditrepair.com. Um, I'm sure he'll link my Instagram down below, but it's Aaron Sean uh, H on Instagram as well. Uh, Aaron Sean underscore H. So there, you can DM me anytime, and I'll try to reach back out to you as soon as I can. Yeah, that's the, really the best way. All right, for sure, for sure. So again, thank you very much for coming on to the show. For all the listeners out there, make sure you're tuning in on all platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, we're there. Even on my LinkedIn, you can check us out. So stay tuned for more episodes. Stay safe, stay healthy, and wash your hands. See you guys. <laughs>